A brand new Village Vice. He's Zach Blackerby. I'm Brad Law. The national championship game is set. Conference Ooh. plays getting ready in, uh, in basketball and uh, transfer portal quarterbacks are out there left and right. Zach, what a fun time in a new year. Yeah, what a what a fun way to start 2024. And, you know, I, I think what's happened with college football is it's becoming more and more of a year-round sport because of the portal. And look, especially especially when there's a chance that you could go out and get a quarterback or the team yeah. that you pull for could go out and get a quarterback. And you and I kind of pushed back and forth a little bit during the first show of 2024, mm -hmm. the first Village Vice of this year, where Hugh Freeze's comments after the game saying it's wide open, it's a wide open quarterback competition. Pairing that with not being interested in a transfer portal quarterback, I, I didn't think it made sense. Yeah. I didn't think those two things really lined up. And so then what happens? Caden Salter, Hugh Freeze's former quarterback, because he's the former Liberty quarterback now at this point, he enters the portal. And of course, his name has been tied to Hugh Freeze by a lot of Auburn fans, even dating back to, to November, Brad, whether that's fair or not, it, it doesn't matter. He's been a talking point throughout the Auburn fan base for several months now at this point. I'm not to the point where I'm buying it yet, but I do think he's, it's a name that you and I need to talk about. Yeah, um, and so we'll do that. I do want to kind of continue the conversation and frame the conversation um, again in, in this world of, of transfer portal Anytime a quarterback jumps in, yeah, it, it seems like every, a bunch of and it's not just Auburn. If you pay it, if you're an Auburn fan, then chances are you don't listen to or watch you know 13 different schools uh, content and stuff like that. But uh, it's not just Auburn. A lot of different schools jump and their fan base go, maybe that guy, maybe that guy, maybe this guy. What about him? What about him? Oh, and it's electric. And, it's electric. And look, yeah. I do. I mean, I, I, I my my full time job with Locked On, I manage over 60 college shows. And I, I can assure you, Auburn is not the only one that talks about every transfer portal quarterback that announces that they're leaving their previous school. It, it's almost all of them. And it kind of goes back to the conversation about Florida State being left out of the playoff because yeah. of an injured quarterback. That's why they were left out, because their quarterback was injured. It's what the committee said. It's why sure. they were left out. So um, sh should that – like how much difference truly – when you have 10 other guys on the field offensively and a whole other side of the ball defensively, just how much weight does – he clearly has more weight than the average individual player offensively. But how much weight do you give to the quarterback? So how much – how high should we jump? How electric should it be theoretically anytime a quarterback, an unnamed quarterback, goes into the portal. Yeah, and it depends because not all transfer quarterbacks are created equal. I mean, mm -hmm. Caleb Williams entering the transfer portal is way different than TJ Finley entering the portal. Bo Nix entering the transfer portal was way different than Peyton Thorne entering the transfer portal. I mean, yeah. not all quarterbacks are the same, and I think there's several variables that go into that. What did you achieve at your previous school? What kind of opportunities were you given at your previous school? What are you leaving behind? What kind of talent was around you? And what, you know, what were you kind of seen as from an athletic standpoint coming out of high school? I mean, star ratings still matter. They don't matter as much two or three years removed from high school, but still all of these things certainly matter. So yeah. um, is Caden Salter that? 
I don't, I don't personally, I don't think so. I know there's a lot of Auburn people that do. I, I think he's solid. I'm not a hundred percent sold. He's better than what Auburn currently has on the roster. Um, and then also, I think if he were to come, I think it sends mis mixed messages throughout. You know, I think there's a trickle down effect. If that were to happen, we can go that direction if you want to, Brad. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just as far as the big picture Auburn or big picture uh, quarterbacks entering the portal, it really just varies from kid to kid. Yeah, that's right. And that's a yeah, I think that's a reasonable approach to take to it. I don't think it's reasonable to go, hey, that guy's available. Let's get him because he's better than what you got. Not always. Not always, because there's so many variables that that go into quarterback play. I just I stand by that quarterback play is one one small. Well, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's not. Like well, system matters too, right? Yeah. But I will make the argument that whoever plays at quarterback, whoever plays quarterback at Auburn in the next three seasons, yeah, it's very crucial. Is very crucial because Auburn is putting itself in a situation, and they did this with effort. I assume NIL money and just overall attention and branding of these true freshman wide receivers that are coming in. Yeah. You have to get them the football. If Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, Bryce Kane, and Malcolm Simmons all come in, and none of them have a thousand yard receiver, that is a major black eye on this Auburn football program from a recruiting standpoint to any receiver for the foreseeable future. It would be a major major whiff and a major, major mismanagement of high-end talent that you work so hard to bring in. And so you've got to get them the football. You've got to find somebody to get Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, and these other young receivers the football early, yeah. early in their careers. All right, that's a side conversation because I don't necessarily know that that's true. I think because of the talent of all of those guys, whether it's four or five, transfer guys coming in, what what have you. I think there's an argument to be made for so much balance within the receiving core that nobody gets to a 1,000. That but, you have multi multiple 600-yard guys. Brad, I, I think this is such a different concept from what we've seen at Auburn historically. Yeah. I mean, this isn't Sammy Coates and Duke Williams. Yeah. This isn't Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams. This is the, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson. We've never had this. Yeah. At Auburn. And That's those fair. guys, I mean, those guys, like, they would both get over 600. I think I think in 2014, if I remember correctly, Sammy and Duke, I think they both got over 800. They're really close mm -hmm. to – or both got over 700. They're really close to each other. And these guys are way, way better than them. And so, yeah, they 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 both need to hit 1,000 yards. Bryce Kane, Malcolm Simmons, I think situations may need to come to them, and, and we, we can discuss that in as much detail as you want. But – some of these guys have to have thousand yard receivers or thousand yard receiving seasons, or I think it's a major whiff on this program. And right. you need a quarterback to get them the football. You do, yeah. And I, I, I know we we can revisit that conversation another day and and kind of look at what some of those Hugh Freeze teams did at, at Ole Miss with the star receiving cores. But yeah, the quarterback discussion. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, I read the comments. I do, and um, because most of them are insightful and interesting and relevant, to, they help move the conversation along. Okay, the idea that you discount that that you don't at least put some weight into the fact that your starting quarterback missed a week of bowl practices—that's not reasonable. Come on, mm -hmm. let's be reasonable. All right, you can be reasonable and say surely it affected his prep for the game, probably his performance, physical stamina, stuff like that. The question going forward is, uh, with Peyton Thorne, best QB rating 
in a game, best QBR in a game in 2023 was the Mississippi State game. QBR in that game was almost 90, like 89 plus. All right. Uh, Best QBR for Caden Salter, just for the sake of discussion. Um, He had one, two, three, four, five games in which his QBR was above 90 in 2023. Now that's different competition, different system, different personnel, all these variables. So the question is going forward, do you believe that you can get to a thousand yard receiver? Do you think you can get to more wins? Ultimately, that's what we're talking about is more wins. With Peyton Thorne, with the extra guys coming in with the improvements in the wide receiver room. Yeah. Let's just start there. There's a defensive component too, but let's just start with the, can you get there with who you got or must you bring in somebody else, whoever that is? Yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're comparing Peyton Thorne and Caden Salter, I don't think there's a big difference between mm-hmm. the two, uh, especially with Peyton coming in in the second year in the system. I think he'll get a little bit of an edge. I don't think QBR is a real stat, so okay. let, let's put that out there because of because of what we're about to talk about. I think. I mean, you you talk about Caden Salter's situation at Liberty. Now's a really cozy situation for a quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't think we learn a whole lot about that, and that's not Caden Salter's fault. Good for him for taking advantage and winning game after game after game. They went twelve and zero. Great for them. But that was a run heavy system, and he was a big part of that running game yeah. too. I think he had over a thousand yards rushing. He did last year. And like I think he's a fine passer, but I think Peyton Thorne's a fine passer. And also in that system, he could probably be a thousand yard rusher too, just because we've seen what he's been able to do with his legs, especially down the stretch. And it's like this coaching staff realized how good he was with his feet and he started using them more. Yeah. I don't see a major difference between the two. And so then to me, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth the trickle down effect of what it might mean for the locker room. You would probably lose Peyton Thorne and Holden Gurner via the portal. I could be wrong. I also don't love the idea of bringing in a guy during this bridge period because we're all kind of just setting the table until either Hank Brown or Walker White is ready. A guy that Hugh Freeze brought in from the high school ranks uh, to be developed. I guess Holden could be in that conversation, but we'll see. But if you bring in a guy like Salter that has two years left of eligibility, I don't love the timing of that. But if you think he can be great, and you get two great seasons out of them, then, I mean, that was a guaranteed thing you would do in the heartbeat. Yeah. Um, I think there are two ways to look at at your offensive makeup in 2024, and and I guess beyond that, but, but right now we're just kind of keeping it to a 2024 discussion. Okay. I, I think pretty objectively, Auburn fans can look at the roster and assume that quarterback play is going to be better because you have the best receiving class in the history of the program coming in. So the offense and with the offensive line and guys you're losing, guys you're bringing in, and we don't know what's going to happen in the portal there, but I think the assumption is that you're going to net positive at a lot of places offensively. So you should mm-hmm. be better. Right. And so that's great. Your your basket is more full now. Be happy. Your basket is bigger. It's more full. Let's go have a let's go have a good time with our better basket. I love big baskets and I cannot lie. <laughs> good. As we all do. Yeah. The other line of thinking is you got all these great receivers. 
you absolutely have to take advantage of that and maximize those guys, maximize the talent you have at the skill positions by maximizing the talent that's available at every other position, at every position on the field, regardless of whether he's someone who's been in your system or you go out and get him in the transfer portal. So mm -hmm. is it that you assume that you're just going to be better and you're happy with that? Now let's go ride and see what we got. Or let's let's don't stop there. Let's don't stop at adding talent at the wide receiver position. Let's add it everywhere and really yeah. maximize, get the most out of these guys that are coming in. Yeah, I mean, the proper mentality matters. Like, is Auburn a threat to win the SEC in 2024 if Peyton Thorne is your quarterback? And I say no to that. I don't think so. But in the on the flip side, if you go out and get a Caden Salter, who I believe will have more upside than Peyton Thorne, I still am not picking Auburn to be a top four team in the conference mm. next year. But at least then, if you were to bring in a guy with that upside and a potential spark, it's like, okay, well, I can see the path to it. I have a hard time seeing the path to it with Peyton Thorne at quarterback. And it's not just Peyton. I've got a lot of questions about the defensive line and the pass rush. And can these freshman wider, uh, freshman corners and freshman wide receivers pick up the game as quickly as they need to? I mean, it is more than just quarterback, yeah. which kind of goes back to, I think, the point that you're talking about with like, okay, I, I just don't think... I don't think there's a guy in the portal that really changes Auburn's total wins right now Yeah, in 2024. And I put Caden Salter on that list. I, Brad, I put Cam Ward on that list yeah. as well. Um, that's just how I see it right now. Yeah, I, I think Auburn can maximize offensively uh, what it's trying to do with Peyton Thorne in 2024. I, I yeah. think it can. I, I think with all the other pieces that it will have, I think it can maximize its potential in 2024 with Peyton Thorne. I, I just believe that. I, I don't see anybody else that's available. I think we agree. Uh, maybe we agree on that. I don't see anybody else that's in the portal right now around college football that increases the win total. Yeah. So – um, let's do, uh, we went longer on that than we thought. Let's do these yeah. reads back to back. If you're, okay. uh, if you're cool with that, Brad. Sure. So, uh, our first sponsor day is our friends at mybookie.ag. Mybookie is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. And I love my bookie because right now, if you are a new customer at my bookie, you're like, okay, I'm done sitting on the sidelines. I'm going to get in on the action. You can do that and you can use promo code next round, next round. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you've got some extra cheddar, some extra money to throw that way, which I think is huge. And I think, honestly, I, I question the business decision of what they're trying to do, but good for them. And also we're going to, we're about to talk about the national championship. Yeah. Michigan, a four and a half point favorite courtesy of our friends at mybookie.ag. So head over to mybookie.ag, use promo code next round. There you go. All right. Let's also talk about our friends at manscaped.com. Save 20% and get free shipping when you use the promo code VICE. Uh, make sure you put in the promo code VICE. Everybody benefits when you do that. Uh, cheers to the new year from our friends at Manscaped because your resolutions, Zach, shouldn't be the only things that are well kept. Okay. Uh, 2024 is the time for new heights, new opportunities, and a new look from head to toe. 
head to toe. Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and uh, turn the page on confidence this year. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now is the time. Get a grip on your grooming <clears throat> with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use VICE as the promo code, get 20% off and free shipping. Happy New Year or happy new balls or happy new face or happy new you with Manscaped. That was fantastic. Thanks. All right. Uh, Michigan and Washington in the national championship game. Brad, we were talking before we clicked record. Love this matchup. Absolutely yeah. love this matchup. I think it's a ton of fun. I think it's the two best teams that have been the two best teams throughout the country. Yeah. Um, so personally, I was a studio host for Michigan for four seasons during the entirety of the Brady Hoke era. And I, I've liked Michigan as a program for a while, but they've been like a second team, an adopted team for a while. Okay. Um, and one of my good friends is the play-by-play -play, uh, voice at Washington. Like we worked together in North Carolina for a while. So I'm personally conflicted, but that doesn't matter. It's not all about my know-it-all opinion. It's about what we think of the game. And that is... Um, Michigan is the team that's built most like an NFL team mm -hmm. in college football. Washington maybe has the best, uh, one of the best coaches currently uh, to have emerged in the last couple of years in Kalen DeBoer. So, yeah. Yeah. and they just, they have the best passing attack in football and they've been discounted in every big game this year. Every time they've had a huge game, somebody's picked against them. And they just keep on winning. So it's a fascinating matchup. Yeah, I I love Washington. I've loved watching this team all year. The second or third week of the season, they were on late, and I was watching them. And I'm like, this, this team has 2019 LSU vibes. I don't think they're that good, but they've mm -hmm. got kind of a similar makeup where the, the quarterback has come in. They've got these future NFL wide receivers, and they're just making you defend every single blade of grass on every single play. And over the course of the game, it just wears you down. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, everybody picked Oregon to beat them the first go around. They took care of business in what may have been the best game of the college football season. It was incredible. And then everybody picked them in that weird, it was either a Thursday or a Friday night game where they went to Oregon State. And mm -hmm. I think Vegas actually had Oregon State as the favorite. Washington went in and took care of business there. And then, of course, they play Oregon again in the Pac-12 championship. And we're like, okay, Oregon's got this. Yeah, Oregon's got this. nobody like, picked Washington like, in that why? game. Yeah, yeah. and um, I did. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> I think uh, one, if Washington and Oregon could play 12 times every year, I would watch all 12 of them because yeah. it's just – it's money, absolute nails. But uh, Washington, they've made a habit of proving people wrong. And they've got to do it one more time, Brad. And I'm just, I don't think I can pick against them. Yeah, I know. My my head says, well, see, my head is conflicted on this too because I can make an ironclad argument for both sides. I can make totally. the ironclad yeah. argument for Michigan. They have five, six, seven NFL offensive linemen and they run those two tight end sets and the single wing and they they're just, they wear you down. And Blake Corum is the most underappreciated running back in college football player. over the last two years. Yeah, player in college. Yeah. I mean, he's he's great. So they wear you down a different way. Um, yeah, both teams wear you down. They just do it in different styles. So at the end of the day, as much as I think the like straightforward steel, like the iron 
tank that is Michigan. Yeah. I just until somebody does it against Washington and still until somebody beats them, I think I got to go with the Huskies to win it all. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I've done a few pick them things and I've actually picked both of them. I'm hedging my bets to some extent, but <laughs> we'll do our official picks, I guess, closer to uh to the yeah. game. But it's gonna be fun. I love the matchup. I love the dynamics of both of these teams. So yeah. we'll um we'll see what happens there. Let's talk a little basketball before we run out of time, Brad. Um, yeah. Auburn's non-conference slate is done. So now they look ahead to SEC play as they head to Fayetteville this weekend. And I really hate that they're starting conference play on the road in Arkansas. That's just a tough, brutal place yeah. to play. But we're about to learn a ton. Yeah. We're about to learn a ton about this basketball team. Uh, how do you feel about plus minus data? Is that a real stat? Do you like plus minus or do you not care? Yes. For it? And it's funny because most people hate it, but I, I do okay. think it matters. Yes. All right. So uh, I want to give some love to. Uh, Was that Josh. a dig? Do you disagree with me about no. QBR? No, 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 no. I just okay. didn't want to bring it up if you were going to kind of spit on it. No, I like, I, I like plus okay. minus. Yeah. All right. Good. I don't know if I could be spat upon twice in the same show. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I want to give some love to Josh Dub on Twitter who put out the. Uh, non-conference data uh, plus minus data for Auburn. So mm -hmm. through the through the non-conference schedule, Auburn 11 and two going into SEC play. Number one in plus minus for Auburn in non-conference. Do you have a guess? Have you seen this? Uh, I haven't seen this one. So okay. I know last night it was Katie Johnson. Right. I would assume Jalen Williams is up there. Jalen Williams is third. I would assume that Trey Donaldson is up there. Trey Donaldson is actually ninth. Interesting. My thought with that is that seems to be when Auburn goes on runs, when yeah. both teams have their reserves in, and so he he leads a lot of those charges. But you're on the right track. Um, who is it? Chad Baker-Mazzara. That makes sense. Yeah, Chad Baker-Mazzara, 164, plus 164. Uh, through these 13 non-conference games. Aiden Holloway, second. Jalen Williams, third. Then a little bit of a drop. Denver Jones, Janai Broom, and Dylan Cardwell are exactly one point different between the two of them. We've said, we when talking about this team, look at your one and your five. When the point guard and your center come out of the game, if there's not a huge drop-off, you're a dangerous team. And that's where Auburn is right now. Plus, they're getting what they're getting from Jalen and Chad Baker Mazzara, a couple of matchup nightmares for for teams. I don't, I don't, and I get that I'm biased. So I need somebody who's not, uh, who's maybe biased for another team or who's neutral, to tell me where's the weakness on this Auburn team. Where is this team going to consistently sure. lose games in SEC play? Because I don't see it. Every close game they've played this year, they've lost. And okay. I think that's something that is going to matter in conference play. I mean, mm -hmm. it's great that they're beating all these teams by 20, 30 points. And look, I'm not telling Auburn to play worse, right? Yeah. But I don't know if we've learned a whole lot about them late because every time we've looked at what they've done late in close games, they didn't do well. Now, I, I do believe that Auburn is a very different team than the team that choked against Baylor. Mm -hmm. And I think they're a very different team than the team that went to Boone and lost to App State. So I don't even know how relevant those things are, but there's an argument for, and you you want you don't want your team that you pull for that's way better than these other teams to, to play down to the competition, yeah. and they did it. They they did what Auburn was supposed to do and consistently covered spreads and, and all of that. 
So I'm not I'm not downplaying it. But that's not relevant anymore now yeah. that SEC play is here. Um, so I, I think that's something I'm a little concerned with. And then another thing is, you know, they talked about it on the on the TV broadcast, Brad, last night where they were quoting a conversation they had with Bruce Pearl, and I'm sure Bruce Pearl's told you guys similar things. He's like, yeah. it's good and a bad thing. The good news is there's no drop-off from the, the first team and the second team. The bad news is there's no drop-off from the first team and the second team. And I do think there's going to be situations where you're going to need some of these upside players to be very prevalent in mm -hmm. the game. And Janai Broom, I think, is one of those guys that kind of from a from an impact standpoint sets his game apart from the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. But late in games, college basketball is a guard heavy sport, especially late in ball games, and especially with the way Janai Broom plays. Foul trouble was a consistent issue in conference play a year ago. So those are the two things I'm looking at. And still, yeah. I'm, I'm having a nitpick here to your point, but still, th those are the two big concerns I have going into SEC play. Yeah. Uh, Auburn as a team is shooting 33% from three. I'll take it. I will. And that's, you know, that's with some guys who don't play as often or, or don't take threes as like Chris Moore is one for 10 from three. Yeah. I, I don't know that he's going to take 10 more threes the rest, like in conference play. I hope not. I hope he doesn't. So yeah. the guys who are taking your threes are making the threes at a high enough clip. So um, if if Janai and Jalen and the guys on the inside continue to perform in conference play anywhere near the level, that, like Janai's last two games, he's 18 of 22 shooting. Mm -hmm. That's stupid. Like that's – come on. That's nuts. Yeah, went three or four from three last night. Right. Yeah, so if you could do the inside and the out with Janai, Jalen can do inside or out. Mm -hmm. Um that's that's a problem for teams. Chad Baker, Mazzara, you got to yep. defend him both ways, one hundred percent. Yeah, that that just puts a stress on you as a defender. And once again, just going from all these subs that they've got to make, yeah. it's just a lot. It's a lot to deal with if you're an opposing basketball team for two full halves. That's just that's a brutal thing to game plan for. Also on threes, KD Johnson is twelve for thirty eight. That's like thirty one and a half percent, but. He's six for nine from three in his last three games. He's playing well. He's, he's playing well right now. And yeah. he's, we've talked about this before, Brad, all of these players staying in their lane. And that's something mm -hmm. that we haven't seen this team do over the last few seasons. Katie Johnson, I think, is, is kind of the embodiment of that. This is a guy that probably thought he was going to be a bigger, um, a, a bigger role on this team at this point of him being here for so many seasons at this point. Yeah. And he's kind of had to take a little bit of a step back and there are nights where he's only shooting it three or four times, but he's taken the right shot. He's comfortable passing it. Um, props to Katie Johnson. I think he's developed so much from a maturity standpoint as yeah. a basketball player. I agree with that. I've, I've said a couple times watching him this year too, that he looked and Trey, Trey is in this mold as well. These guys look like they're playing so fast that they're out of control. Sometimes they're not, they've, they've got like, they're, they're sure. under control. Even when they look like they're not KD's minutes, by the way, KD's getting 16 and a half minutes a game. And you go, man, that's really small until you look at the leading minutes guy in Janai broom at only 23 a game. It's, it's remarkable balance and 
You know, you only, you got 40 minutes in a game, no matter what, whether it's your first five or your second five. And if you're getting productivity right. in those 40 minutes, Hey, great. Yeah. So, yeah. Every I, year we see, we see the rotation get a little bit shorter yeah. when SEC play rolls around. This may be the exception to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Look, Janai will get more than 23 minutes in a game. Aiden's going to get more than 21 or 22 minutes a game. I think, I think maybe, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I think maybe those guys will get more, but it's it's been impressive to watch. And I've we've watched Bruce Pearl teams throughout his decade here. Yeah. To me, this one just looks like those other teams that have competed for the for the championship. I'm with you. They I'm with you. top to bottom, they look like that team. Yeah, the analytics and Ken Palm mm -hmm. loves this team. The eye test, it just makes sense, but I want to see him beat some better teams before yeah. I'm fully on that train. But yeah. The the ITED, there's a lot to like about this yeah. team for sure. Brad Law, I think that about does it for today's show. It does. Thanks everybody for watching, subscribing, commenting. We appreciate you. We really do. Remember, until next time, everyone has vices. Make sure Village Vice is one of yours. Yeah.